When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The sport is just going to die if they don't break the designated hitter to the National League. We got fresh frozen <laughs> strawberry margaritas and Terry's bringing us chips and salsa all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. <laughs> yeah, I got a MF wagon. <laughs> like, let's be real. <laughs> the Washington Nationals are the world champions. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Uh, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny. And the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball. And if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And now- Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. Thank you, as always, for joining us. I am Amanda. You can follow me on Twitter at awhite7877. I am joined, as always, by my chat fallen co-hosts, Nick and Ryan. You should follow both of them on Twitter as well at HalfShackCap and at DCNatShack. And you can follow the show at Half Street High Heat. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Uh, I didn't catch it. Where you say cat fallen? Like my cat fell chap, down or something? Chap fallen about cap. baseball. Chap, chap, C-H-A-P, chap fallen. Uh, like my lips are chapped and I drop my chapstick? It's chap like stick. that, yeah. Okay. It's a lot like that. Yeah, so For sure. I... Uh, Love baseball so much. I, I don't know. There, there's a connection there somewhere. I'm not on my A game right now. Yeah. So, Did you Google it yet? You're usually pretty quick on the Google with the. No, I was trying to to riff <laughs> and, and come up with something, but I got nothing. Because uh, well, I, I kind of butchered it. It's like when you ha- you say a joke and then they didn't hear you, so you have to explain it, and then and then it's not <laughs> you know funny it anymore. Funny. So, like, because I didn't hear the word right away, I couldn't riff right away. And because I was yeah. thrown off, I was just... It ruined like, all I, I the almost, I, want, I want to restart the podcast if we're being... <laughs> I'm a competitor, and it doesn't feel good going out there on your on your day. Like, I'm a pitcher I, once every five days, or in our case, once every 14 days. And I, I have one job, and I, I yeah. went out there, and I blew it. And it just it doesn't one feel good. One could say you're... Honest. Chat fallen about your performance. See, now um, I got the yips. I got the yips. I, I had no comeback. So, 
it's just, I, I'll need to get get with Coach and figure this out and uh, see what we're gonna we figure go. out what's going on with my mechanics. I know, right? Yeah. All all I have to say is um, I watched the thirty for thirty on Sammy Sosa and, and uh, Mark McGuire. I still need to watch and, Long Gone Summer. Yeah, baseball needs steroids back because that was unreal. Mm-hmm. Seeing a one o'clock weekday game with 50,000 people at it because of World because of them too. Yeah, and then Marlins Park had like 60,000 people in it, all because the dudes took steroids. So back to Nick's rule proposal, steroids oh, in baseball. Everyone needs it back. I'm convinced. That was electric as hell watching them two go at it. That was unreal. I honestly wish I was old enough to like actually watch that. I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. So you know someone's really there for you. You know someone's really a ride or die when they plug you. They give you credit without <laughs> you having to bring it up yourself, and that's why Ryan's my best friend. Like it's just yeah, I mean, that is why. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You guys, what? So that was night. It was ninety-eight, right? I haven't yeah. watched the watch Nin- it. It was the season of ninety-eight. And yes, you guys uh, are not old enough to have remembered it the first time around. We were a strong three years old. Yeah. <laughs> a strong three. I think you were very strong three. Very fresh Yeah, that was um, – I was in the Army when that was going on. And actually that year I was stationed in Korea. So I kind of remember Ooh. hearing about it but not being able to watch games because I wasn't in the country. Time zones aren't real, so you can watch the games. Yeah. Yeah. All we got was you could watch Korean TV or Armed Forces Korea Network. That was our options for, for TV <laughs> over there. So we did not get a lot. And then the weirdest thing about that actually was the uh, the fact that there's no commercials because it's a government-owned station. So I'm gone for a year. And when you're gone and then you come back and I'm starting to watch regular TV again, you realize commercials are absolutely bizarre. Yeah, they it's like when you watch so Netflix. Weird for so long and then you're like eh, let's see it's on tv and you're like what the heck is this why am i seeing an ad yeah remember when uh netflix tried to do like post uh episode trailers or something how how poorly that turned out like like, i'm paying an enormous amount of money to not watch dollars a month enormous amount of money what type of plan do you have on netflix well, the biggest, I mean, best, like, most beautiful what, plan. 17? It's seventeen bucks a month, something like that. Yeah, and it's gone up a lot over the over. It, you know, they keep creeping up. But also, I just feel like you know what else? Let me go on a rant right now. I pay for the Disney Plus. Do you guys have the Disney Plus? Uh, I do. Like, yeah, I got it. There are a bunch of the Disney movies and some of the shows that my daughter, do- my daughter, is especially obsessed with Disney stuff, and. It, they don't have it on there. I'm like, I'm paying you a monthly fee, and I still can't access everything in your damn vault. Yeah, like not, I can't watch. She can't watch Moana, or I think there's a couple of other. I think Moana shows she likes Moana's that's not on, on there. there. Yeah, Moana's on there. It's not. It's like a there's some version I of will, Moana, but it's not like the actual. Well, then that might, might be because I watched it. That might Moana's be because fine. Netflix. Maybe they took it. it off, but it's not on there now. Oh, Ryan might I, be right. Yeah, Netflix still has the rights to it. Yeah, so oh. that's, the, that's the problem with a couple of because like a bunch of the Marvel movies were on Netflix and because like uh, Disney leased it out to them for whatever, so that contract has to finish before it can go back on Disney Plus. And I think but, yeah, H- that's probably HBO what it was. has like one of the uh, Pirates of the Caribbeans, and it's like the fourth one. That's the only one that's not on uh, Disney Plus. It's so random. <laughs> Yeah, and some of them they make you pay. Like you'll still go on to Disney to watch something, and they'll ask you for money. And I'm like, 
God damn it! I already uh, have given never had a monthly subscription. What, what side are you? Yeah. It must be the kid stuff. It must be some of the kid stuff. I'm no, sure it's like Disney it. with two Y's, D Y S X Disney. Yeah. Netflix does that crap too. Where there's or Netflix, there's one of them that we have like every stupid subscription service, and some of them don't want money from you. They make it's like oh, I'm not gonna buy cable, but then I have every subscription service. It's more than cable anyway. What you need to do? I just go both ways. I have cable and every subscription service, so I'm getting. See, if you're paying for all of them, you're messing up. Because, like, I have a friend who has Hulu, so I have their Hulu. We get Disney Plus free for a year because of Verizon, so I yeah. gave them my Disney Plus. So, like, we're all in this together. I use one of my the friends. The barter system. Goes. I like, like it. Yeah, I got the Verizon Disney thing, and then yeah. I use my fiance's parents' Netflix now. So that was a nice 20 bucks in, in the pocket a month. Um, and then nice. Hulu. I mean, Hulu's like 6 bucks. And, oh, HBO Max, I use the my soon-to-be in-laws uh, Verizon login for HBO Max. So there's that. So yeah, I'm finagling this. Or seen that? It's got all the live sports except for baseball, of course. But no, baseball I, I doesn't exist for, anymore. I tried it so. out for a month because with quarantine, I was like, I got really into movies and just like all these old series. So like, I'm well, old. Um, like Mission Impossible, I, there's like eight movies. So my idea with quarantine was to go to the movie series first because with each series I get six, ten, eight, whatever movies to watch there. So it's like a natural progression. I'm going to go through all the movies. So I got, I got Hulu, but then I was just watching movies on it. I wasn't watching any of the live TV, so then I canceled it. Got it. My brother uses it, and it seems pretty cool. I only, literally, I keep cable only because of baseball, and with I have to buy the highest. I only have Comcast here. I don't have BIOS as an option. And on Comcast, the only package that has mass in is the most expensive package. <laughs> so I pay for the most expensive stupid cable package just to get mass in, and I don't even care. I don't even need cable other than that. And I'm like, if there's no season, they could have told me months ago, and I could have canceled my cable. Yeah. Red zone. Red Zone's the only reason why I want a box in my room. So, yeah, with um, for some reason I still get like the student pricing on like the NFL Sunday ticket, so it's like a hundred bucks for the whole season. So I still do that, and that's how I get Red Zone. But uh, with like no cable, I was trying to like cut the cords. So Sling TV, Hulu Live, Fubu, whatever. All like me and my fiance watch that's like live TV is the challenge, which is on MTV. So all we watch. So I'm trying to find a, like something with MTV. Literally no like streaming services have MTV live. So it's like, what the hell, man? <laughs> I am trying to. Help I know that's you my that's my dilemma my with math, and it's like the only <clears throat> yeah. place I can get it is on the Comcast High package. Yeah, it's super I'm irritating. Student? What are you guys watching these days? Um. I'm between, I'm between shows right now. Um, I just watched Joker for a second time, but I think I'm going to start rewatching. It's Always Sunny. Just finished New Girl. <laughs> loved it. Also, I'm obsessed with Extreme Couponing right now. The greatest show nice. of all time. Yeah. My fiancé got me into 90 Day Fiancé. I, I, so. I do that in waves, though, because like, I want to get to the most recent season with No Neck Ed. No Neck Ed. But like, <laughs> <laughs> I, even though it's like a new new couples every season, I, I feel weird like jumping to the most recent season. I want to go back and watch all of them, but I can only do it so much. So that's one. But like I said, I've been movies, so I just watched all of the Lord of the Rings, and now I'm watching the Hobbit trilogy as well. Ooh. So nice. Yeah. That's a good one. 
Sounds yeah, like so not. remind me someday, Ryan, to tell you about my extreme couponing phase. Well, Amanda strikes me as an extreme couponer. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love that I didn't get to the show. point where I was getting like $1,000 worth of groceries for uh, you. I, I never got that good at it, but I did. Th there's a story there. One day when we need content, <laughs> we'll, did we'll you have like back up. I remember going grocery shopping with my mom when I was like seven, eight years old, and she had this like little accordion folder of like all these coupons. Oh, yeah. Did, yeah, yeah. did you have that? Uh -huh. Yeah. I figured uh -huh. that's like an yes, extreme couponing staple. Like that's yeah, like, that's not even that extreme. Like if you're extreme, you have like you a, a trapper keeper binder. Right. <laughs> yeah, in it's your, not like, that extreme. Yeah, floppy disks and other Walkmans, all the other stuff from the nineties. Yeah, you know, I I'll tell you, you youngsters, one day about when floppy disks were actually floppy, like not even the little square ones that had a hard case on them, but like actually <laughs> floppy. I honestly they were didn't five know and they a quarter inch. <laughs> actually, that's why they call them that because they were floppy disks. Anyway, we won't go there right now. But uh, I just started watching a show called Barkskins, which is a new show that just came out. It's like set in New France, like it, you know the time period when France was still like colonizing Eastern Canada. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it's super interesting, but. I just started watching it. I've only watched a couple episodes, but I like it. It's what I'm going to do when we get off the phone tonight. That's my You're going to go colonize East France? Well, I'm going to go watch some French people do that. <laughs> You're going to watch how to colonize East France? Uh, it's too cold for me here. I do not want to colonize Canada. It's not even cold here. <laughs> I know. That's my point. We don't even have winters anymore. It's too anymore. cold for me in the winter here. <laughs> I, know. I do not like cold weather. So yeah, and other than that, I just I spend most of my evenings, I'll do my work, and after the kids go to bed, I usually have to work because I can't get anything done until all my children are asleep. And then uh, I like to watch a bad sci-fi movie. Something about sharks is always good. Maybe some sort of a, a disaster movie that involves meteors or like sun, sun flares. A disaster movie is good every now The worse, the better. It's my favorite it genre. I love terrible sci-fi movies. It's oh, that reminds me of a thought I had, and we're getting way off baseball. Like, <laughs> I actually really like it baseball right now. Baseball doesn't exist anymore. I don't even I, know what that is. This is true. This is no longer a baseball podcast. But uh, <laughs> I was thinking the other day, because I think uh, maybe I watched a movie or I saw, like, a trailer for but, like, it was a disaster movie. And I thought, like, what was the last disaster movie I thought? But then I thought to 2012, like, how that was a disaster movie, but also that was, that was the a the one with John deal. Cusack? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, like, 2012 Mayan calendar, world's ending type deal, and obviously nothing happened. It's eight years later, and I'm still breathing, unfortunately. But um, <laughs> I, I was just thinking, like, can you imagine if it's, like, I think it was December 2012 was when, like, the Mayan calendar ended or whatever. But can you imagine if all of this COVID stuff and What's their dyslexia? 2020, 2020 in general happened in 2012, like, how crazy <laughs> you would be right oh, now? Oh, yeah. Oh, all the man. people who believe in astrology and all that stuff would have just lost their minds. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I, I it would, would have be... been good. And that's a good one. Oh, I right. like the real disaster movies like that, but I really like the super-duper cheesy, awful ones. Like, I'll watch, and, and just really bad sci-fi, like Gatoroid versus Croctopus, like those kinds of movies. Like, I love them. I cannot get enough of them. They crack me up. <laughs> I just think they're hysterical. My husband will just leave if I turn one on. He just like looks at me and leaves the room. He just won't watch them with me. My my sixteen year old likes them though, so he'll watch crappy sci fi movies with me. Yeah, my fiance loves like the, the like not scary horror movies, the ones that get like a three on Rotten Tomatoes or something. <laughs> yeah, like, watch the all of them. 
And like every now and then I'm like, yo, this is so bad. Like, let me watch it. But she does it all the time. And I'm like, I can't. I don't <laughs> so do understand. I. They're my favorite. I like I her already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how my husband is. He's like, this is so awful. I'm like, I know. Isn't it great? He's no, it's not great. I don't know what you're <laughs> I don't know why you think it's great. I like really just like if they've got some zombies in them that are like not at all scary, that's the perfect situation. Meanwhile, the only person Ryan needs in his life is the PS5. God, I cannot wait for that to come out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Way more entertaining than any human. So I I think he's he's on something. (laughs) Touche. So should we talk about baseball? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I might as well. I guess. Yeah. Hold on. Let me let me pause my PS4. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's time for a history moment in the sun, right? Yeah. Let's have the weekend review. Yeah. So, if you thought to yourself that the handling of COVID was the most embarrassing thing a bunch of rich old white people have done lately, MLB owners are giving that run for their. What mind. an intro! <laughs> my God. That was good. That was, that was good. very good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, this was a disastrous week for baseball. Um, earlier this week, that a judge in New York ordered Major League Baseball to release a 2017 letter that is detailing a 2014 to 2016 cheating report that the Yankees use electronics to steal signs. The, re- the report also noted that Rob Manfred worked with the Yankees to cover all of this up. The report states that eight other teams use the same scheme as the Yankees. While Major League Baseball and the Yankees are declining this, they're also fighting very, very hard from the letter being released. I wonder why. Um, MLB owners continue to cry and try to get public on their side. Cubs owner Tim Ricketts says the losses the league will see from this, paying prorated salaries, would be biblical. Biblical! Some owners are saying that owning a team is not net profitable. To which Max Scherzer took to Twitter to call them out and stated that, you know what also isn't that profitable? Amazon. And Jeff Bezos is going to be a trillionaire one day. MLB owners sent their fourth and final proposal to the players, which sounded really nice. They said they are going to give 75% of the prorated pay. I thought that was amazing. Then people started doing the math, and 75% of 50% comes to 33%. This was, once again, the fourth straight proposal from the owners that included a 33% pay for paying almost half the year. On draft night on national television, Rob Manfred said there will unequivocally be baseball this year, 100%. On Wednesday, the players told the owners they are done sending proposals and negotiating with the owners. They said, tell us when and where to report and how many games, and we will be there. We just want to play they told him they had closed until close of business Monday. Well, that didn't go very well. Um, close of business Monday came along, and Rob Manfred says now he is not so sure there'll be a baseball season. MLBPA released a statement slamming this, and the owners told the union, we will cancel the season unless players drop any and all legal grievances against the league. There were a lot, a lot, a lot of reports going back and forth about this. But the funniest part about this is that the owners released a statement saying that they wish the players would negotiate in good faith and understand the severe financial stress the owners are in right now. And they also wish that the players would consider all the other employees that the owners have to pay. 
The owners furloughed the majority of their staff and also cut the salaries of everyone except for executives. That report came one hour after it was announced that Major League Baseball just signed a new $1 billion TV contract with Turner with Sports. With Billion. While they cry poor. But why is this um, threat of canceling the season without grievances so important? Because MLB wants to do a 50-game season to reduce costs and increase revenue. But if they did that today, it violates their contract in March, which says the owners will do everything in their power to get a, as many games as possible. If they did that, the union would file a grievance and the league would lose, and they would have to pay full salaries, not prorated, full salaries to every single MLB player. So this is a delay tactic. Up until June 27th is when Major League Baseball will announce they're going to do a 50-game season. MLB owners are dead set with the regular season ending on September 27th, so playoffs end in October. Um, the owners keep citing fears of a second wave of COVID, but The Athletic is reporting that there is severe pushback from the network of moving playoff games because they want the election ad money. Today is June 16th, and as of 5 o'clock p.m., there are six owners who are in favor of canceling the season. All they need is eight owners in favor for what will be the death of the 2020 season. But the fight is not over. Just because the protests are no longer on TV, the trends are no longer trending on Twitter, does not mean people are done. The cops who murdered Breonna Taylor still have not been charged or arrested. Please sign petitions. Please donate and continue to put pressure on government officials to finally do the right thing for once in their lives and arrest the cops who murdered Breonna Taylor. Please continue to be vocal and please continue to have these uncomfortable conversations with your friends. The normal we knew in March is long gone and we will not see that world again, but help usher in change and help bring justice to countless names who have been wrongly murdered by police. This has been your Week in Review. Amen, brother. Um, but kind of a good segue. Uh, like when you look at the NFL, I mean, obviously Colin Kaepernick, we all know what's going on with him and him being blackballed and how Roger Goodell's handled it. And yet Rob Manfred said, hold my beer, let me handle a situation completely worse, which I don't understand how you can handle a situation worse than what Goodell did with Kaepernick. But Manfred's like, hold my beer. Like I will completely just ruin an entire season not just one player but an entire season and with huge huge like lasting repercussions and then i mean can we just talk about how like big balls the players association went to be like you know what we're gonna forfeit any negotiating power we have and say all right we'll show up tell us when and where right like you guys just want us to play all right Tell us when and where. Pay us whatever. Yeah, I mean, you want to force the season? Just tell us where. And then, <laughs> lo and behold, the owner's like, oh. Yeah, they called their and bluff, I, and all of a sudden. They, they called their go. bluff, and they won. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I mean, there's not going to be a season. I've been saying that for I don't know how many episodes now. There's not going to be a season, I don't think. I, I just I think there's already the owners don't want it now. It's going to be too short. It's see, not worth it for them. They're, but they won at short. At this point, I think there's. Yeah, they want short to some extent because they well they want that that play, that sweet playoff money. Exactly. But it, 
at this point, I think if they force a season, it's going to be so contrived. And so, like, to me, even just having a 50-game season is absurd. Baseball, think about how many, I mean, you could be, for instance, I don't know, 19 and 31 after 50 games, and then you could win the World Series. Like, 50 games is stupid. I don't even mm-hmm. want to see a 50-game season. Do you know, it's just you're, it's you're not, not baseball. See, like, yeah, baseball where? is not meant to. It's meant to be a long grind. It's meant to say who's left standing at the end of a long, difficult season. And when you, if you cry, even if the Nats won the World Series again, like I, I'd, I'd talk trash on Twitter because that's what I do. But honestly, it wouldn't feel like a real championship. It's you didn't win it like every other champion ever has. You know, it's just it, to me at this point, it's already over. See, I I thought based on what had happened because of COVID, I didn't truly expect the whole money thing to get this big of an issue. But where Major League, where Major League Baseball really, really screwed up was doing all this publicly. Um, no other league is doing this publicly. We have no oh, idea yeah. what's going on. They're all seeming it's so perfect. Unsavory. And it's ugly as hell, especially with everything that's going on in our country. It's extremely out of touch. And honestly, like it's kind of inappropriate to keep doing this, arguing over this money, when you got 40 million people unemployed and everything else that's going on. But, like, if the owners played this as, oh, we don't know if we can keep the players safe, people wouldn't be this mad. Because people, like, no. people, people would be annoyed just because people are annoyed at everything. But, like, people would also understand because 120,000 people have died in four months. Like, people would get that, but the owners just did this as we don't want to pay, which is pissing off yep. a lot of people. And a lot of people have been fans for years of the sport, and it's just awful. Yeah, and Manfred is the devil. He's he's so bad for baseball. He's I just I can't believe. You know, it's not just this either. Like even before all of this most recent stuff, like the idea of of shrinking the number of minor league teams and all of this dumb crap that he does that's like for short-term financial gain for the owners but screws the game over in the long term. There's just so many things over his tenure where you can see what he is is a puppet for the owners. He, of course he is. I mean, they're the ones who, Bingo. you know, who to whom he's beholden. Right. But I just, I should have saved that as a segue for our interview. Um, right. No, I mean you're you're onto something there because he absolutely—it's it, blatantly obvious that he's the puppet or whatever you want to call it for the owners. All of his actions have been for the owners, and you you hit on some of them, like eliminating some of the minor league teams. If you eliminate some of the minor league teams, that cuts down cuts down on on ownership cost and, and all this stuff. I mean, like in yeah, mind, one of the owners was calling for an outright salary cap i can't remember who it was but this week one of like that that's what they're they're negotiating for next year's cba right now in the middle of this damn pandemic and costing everyone the 2020 season because they're trying to posture for next year's cba and it just infuriates me like you are screwing not only are you screwing over baseball you would have been in any year but in a year where a sport where they constantly talk about needing to grow their viewership you had an opportunity to be the only game in town and you pissed all over it it's just so manfred should be tarred and feathered and run out of town on a rail that guy is awful exactly and like ryan mentioned he was spineless but like i can't remember the exact year he took over but like um, i was going through my brain yeah so I, i knew it was like five somewhere five years within that range but like, I was going through my brain thinking of, like, what has Manfred done? Like, what is his, quote-unquote, legacy? Yes, he's only been on the job for a few years, but, like, what is his legacy, right? Like, C-League, you think steroid era and, and all that stuff. But, I mean, 
Manfred has had to deal with a lot of big name things. I mean, especially recently with all the COVID, the Astro cheating scandal and whatnot. But like, what was the one thing that helped baseball? Because like with C-League, I mean, whatever your take on steroids is, the the output, as we see with Long Gone Summer and like just other things, was good for baseball. Like whether it was good for the players or good for the integrity of the game. I mean, that's a separate like conversation, but the, the output was good for baseball. So if you look at Manfred, what has he done that's good for baseball? And the one thing nothing at all. Could, well, the one thing that could be argued was the juiced baseballs, except they didn't own up to it, right? They, they could have said, hey, we're trying new baseball. We want more offense. It draws more viewership. And people, and if you tell the pitchers that, they're going to be like, okay, like we'll adjust to a new baseball. Like it sucks, but at least we know. But you denied it, right. and then you're switching it out like at, whenever you please, like on a whim and all these players are calling you out. You're like, no, 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 I'm not doing it. So it, it's just and I love the, we're going to investigate what's going on with the baseballs. Dude, right. you guys make the baseballs, please. You get their, you literally, <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I, didn't, I said a bad word. It's not like they get their baseballs from like a couple of different sources. They literally get it from one source. That source is the like, Major League Baseball factory. And they inspect like, every single so baseball. Funny. So it's not like there is one factory that got contaminated in that or like messed up and that yeah. led to juice baseballs. Like they knew what they were doing and they didn't. And then switching it. it back in the playoffs, which right. I'm glad they did because we would have totally lost Fair, game five like, in LA on a walk off before Howie Kendrick ever got up in the well, that was Howie Kendrick would have hit a home run in the three. Yeah. So Yeah, I suppose that's true, but yeah, I, I that that scene in that game where the Dodgers are all like over the wall because they think it's a walk off and then they have to dejectedly go back into the dugout. I mean, I would I would like to get some that. sleep tonight. I wouldn't want I don't <laughs> want to think about that too much because that scares I, me. Oh, so good. That and and in so Bellinger up against the wall when Howie's when Howie's Grand Slam clears the wall and he just like runs over to the wall and stands there with his face pressed against it like you know he's trying not to cry. That's right. my other favorite moment about that game. Ryan, I don't, I don't know I, if you know this, but, like, what – like, how are you going to have a vote that to cancel the season and you only need eight out of 30 owners to say yes? So it's not, like, an official vote. Like, I think, like, when they're having these discussions, if eight of them are, like, we don't want the season, I think at that point they just, like, have to tell the – Tell Rob Manfred like seventy five percent or something. Like, eight out of the thirty is twenty six. Well, twenty seven percent. I know. I I I guess in the CBA or whatever the owners have, they decided that owners only need twenty five percent for this, which seems very stupid. But I was reading an article by Passan and Rosenthal who said they only need eight votes from the owners to end the season. And my understanding, it's not like a formal vote. I think if eight owners like, hey. We're, we're just, like, not in favor of the season returning. Then the owners are like, that's it. There's no season. Um, but the worrisome thing about that is Saturday the report was three owners, and today the report was six. So, like, the owners are talking, and, like, they only need two more. And it, yeah, but has that always been a thing? Like, has it always been? I mean, I we're only no talking idea. about this now because of this COVID stuff. But, like, was it always a thing that eight of the owners could just be like, yeah, we don't feel like it this year? And then I think I think it has to be under, like, extraordinary circumstances. Like, yeah, like a doomsday protocol type thing. Yeah, because, like, it's like the NBA. The NBA has a doomsday clause in all the contracts, but also they gave the power to um, Silver where he can be like, 
we're not playing. So like he has a doomsday power also. So I think it's like under these type of circumstances where the owners have that and it has to be eight. But it also on the flip side, like for those six and counting owners, it just goes to show like where their um, loyalty, I guess, truly lies. Like it lies with them penny pinching and trying to squeeze every dollar they can out of this situation. Like, because if you're playing only 50 games, like, to a man's point, yeah, it, it seems it's not a big enough sample size. Baseball's meant to be a long grind. But you look at those fringe teams that anything happens, like you, you just get off to, to a hot start, and then all of a sudden you're in the playoffs. Like, look at them. I mean, not saying the Mariners are, like, a fringe team. They're, they're really, really bad. But, I mean, they haven't been to the playoffs since 2001. Right, and then you look at a team like the Angels, who just shelled out money for not only Mike Trout but Anthony Rendon as well. And you would think you want to play like baseball within that prime years of for both of them and Shohei Otani, not to mention. You would think you want to play baseball regardless of how many games it is, so you get some return on investment. You would think the majority of these owners, which I guess technically there still is a majority as of now. Uh, that want to play baseball, but for those, again, six and counting, anything could happen in the 50-game season. So you would think you would want to play to see what happens. Yeah, and it will be entertaining, I think, just from the perspective. I hate it because, you know, I'm a Luddite, and I hate anything that's different than the way I'm used to it. But I I hate the idea from She admitted it. She admitted it. (laughs) Yes. What are you talking about? I've always admitted it. (laughs) <laughs> well, we've called you out on that, and you're like, no, 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 I hate the universal DH. I hate. No, I've said it's not because, because I don't a, hate it just it's because it's different. It's it is an abomination. These are, all true. These are all true statements. <laughs> but, you know, the owners were always going to take a bath this year financially. It was going to happen. Like, you had the opportunity to Barbara set it up so you were, the only, you were the only sport, and you could have maybe gotten exposed to a lot of people who don't normally watch baseball. You had this, you had this incredible opportunity early this summer to, to be visible to people who aren't baseball fans. And you did make yourself visible, but in this way that just showed your ass. And now people who are fringe baseball fans or aren't fans at all are going to be like, ugh, what a mess that sport is. Do you know what I mean? It just, mm-hmm. it's just, it's so, I don't know. They were, they were always going to lose money. This season is a money loser. You're the business owner. You know what happens when a business has a bad year? Yeah, just the look at every single don't business get paid right now. And the, <laughs> right, that's it. No matter what your business is, your employees get paid, and you're the owner, and you don't make as much money that year. That's the way business works. And the wild thing is, like, they're crying foul. Like, there's some poor, small business that, like, just billion. started up. They made $10 billion last year, and there's revenue sharing. Each team made $30 million from playoff money alone, so they're fine right there alone. And then also you right, I'm surprised they didn't like, apply for a PPP loan. Oh, I, yeah. did, I, I guarantee you they did. Okay, the government sent $600 billion out to businesses. I guarantee you Major League Baseball got some of that. But, like, they've been receiving, um, like, tax sorry tax credits. Write-offs, like all these breaks, everything for yeah. years. They've been pocketing they money. The damn, they've been slashing their are paid payroll. for with tax exactly. dollars. Like, they've on. been slashing their payrolls for years. Mm-hmm. They've been pocketing money, but now you're going to lose $20 million and it's going to be biblical? Shut the hell up. Like, that pisses and me I love off. how they're finally willing to do a 50% revenue share in a year when revenues are crap. Like, oh, I know. Thanks, guys. Right. That's oh, fantastic. Hey. Hey, but it, uh, I'm over this. I saw a, a graph... And this will be my last point, but like I saw a graph 
um, or someone tweeted out the stats of like how the, the slight increase of like the median salary for MLB player versus how much percentages the increase has been for like the revenues. And it's just the, like Ryan said, the owners have literally been pocketing money and refuse. I mean, look at the, just and they won't off open season. their books either. Just look, just last off season. This isn't like oh, we're talking about decades ago. This was last off season where they refused to pay some of the the top 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 talent that had ever hit the free agent market. And yes, like Machado and Bryce still got paid, but neither of them clearly anticipated like what that market was going to be like, especially for the not top tier guys, like the mid tier guys, and then the the veterans that had to just take the minimum because the owners were just not shelling out money. They were yeah. just talking. And there's a Nats there's a Nats tie in for that in that uh Denard Span just did you read about that? He just retired and was like, you know what? Screw them. Like I'm not playing I'm worth more than this. I'm not I playing think he got for offered them like eight million dollars though. So I, I don't really see his point. I don't um, know what he's – I didn't think he got offered that much. But whatever it was, I just kind of respect the idea where he's like – what the owners have done, what I think is likely collusion. They've decided that they oh, want to slow the growth. They're it's making time. record revenues year after year after year, and they've decided they want to control the growth of contracts. And so what they're doing is they've – and it started that year that uh, Ian Desmond hit – what year was that when he hit free agency? It ended up taking like a $5 million deal in Texas after the, you know what I mean? Was, that was the beginning of it, that off season where they, I think the owners just decided like we're not. In the owners, in the owners defense, they were very right about the investment because he's been one of the worst players. Your point, but it's, my point yeah. isn't about Ian Desmond though. My point is about that season was that first ice cold free agent market. And I remember being shocked by the free agent market that offseason, like, wow, I can't believe the guys who aren't getting signed. I can't believe the deals they're having to sign all the way like into spring training. And I think that the, the owners made a decision, likely together made a decision, that they're not going to pay these guys what they've been paying them. And now you've seen it for they several years straight, and it has worked because they're not – look at what's going on with free agency. Like you're right. not seeing a lot of these huge deals for veteran players anymore. And, I mean, we could probably wrap it up with this, but it, basically this, what's happening right now with the owner's commissioner's office and everything else, it's just confirming what we all suspected for however many years, right? Like that the owners have an ulterior motive. Winning a championship is not their motive outside of maybe one or two. Like but it's just all about money and pocketing money. And we always say baseball is a business, but we don't mean it in this aspect, right? Right? Like – if baseball is a business, it's for the ultimate goal of winning a championship because it is a sport. It's in the business of winning. Yeah, but right. in that case, that's not. I think you're. I think that's. If it's a business, it is about money, and they're well, treating you know it what, but, right now. You know what but brings in money? Like Ryan said, it's not like it's not profitable. If it wasn't profitable, if it was like the XFL or something, that's a different story. But this is they have record-setting revenue every single year, and the crying foul like. They're barely breaking even, or they're losing money. Like, and then I love how they did that. And then, like the next day, that TBS deal got announced for a right, exactly. Dollars. I was like, this oh, be the wow, that was unfortunate timing for the owners. This would be the last thing I say about this. But like, I saw this in a tweet, and it's such a great point. Look at the Marlins. 
Marlins have the mm-hmm. worst worst attendance in baseball for yep. 15 years. They gave the biggest contract the sport had seen, and they still sold the franchise for over one billion dollars. When was the last time the Marlins had a good season? Like, right. that's yeah, all you need to know. This baseball is not profitable stuff. Thank you very much. It's not even in the history of the sport. The history of sports. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. At the yeah, at right. the time it was. So. I yeah. Mean, All right. Well, I feel like we could drone on it's about this forever, time. but let's move on and talk draft time. Draft. So the MLB draft, I know you know just what drafts are like. Um, the MLB draft happened. The Nats drafted some players. Let's yes. get a breakdown, shall we? So the Nats, um, as we know, there's only five-round draft. Um, the Nats had six picks because they had a third-round comp pick due to losing Anthony Rendon. So I did the pleasure of looking up and getting some little scouting report for each player. So I'm just going to run through that real quickly. Uh, first round was Cade Cavelli, right-handed pitcher out of Oklahoma. He's 6'4". Um, he's a 60-grade fastball, a 60-grade curveball. He throws 95-97, and the slider touches 90 miles per hour. He grades out as a future middle-of-the-rotation arm. He had a college career ERA of 4.09. The second round, Cole Henry, right-handed pitcher of LSU. He was their weekend ace in this sophomore season. He's going to be a tough one to sign. He does have a lot of injury concerns, though. There were reports that if he didn't have the injuries, he would have been a top 15 pick. But he has a lot of back and arm issues. Mike Rizzo loves these guys. Even with all that, though, he has a 60-grade fastball, a 55-grade curveball, a 50-grade changeup, throws 94, changeup in the upper 90s. Uh, sorry, changeup in the upper 80s. He grades out as a future middle of the rotation. Third round, the Nats with the comp pick went Samuel Infante, shortstop out of high school. His best tools are his speed and power. He grades out as a future spare infielder, potentially more if the Nats can develop his bat. Then they took uh, Brady Lindsey, catcher out of Oklahoma, who was shocked to be drafted. He hit a combined 275, 360, 420 line over four years, but he did not get many at-bats. Scouts say he's more of a defensive catcher. Um, He grades out as a future backup catcher. His biggest thing is that he can handle multiple pitchers, and he's a pitcher's catcher. Pitchers just like throwing to the guy. Their last pick was Mitchell Parker out of San Jacinto College, the left-handed starting pitcher. He went 5-0 with a 1-1-9 ERA before the season ended. He throws 92-93. He's above average graded curveball. He does have a lot of command issues, but his breaking ball is his best pitch. He grades out as a future reliever. And then the one other pick the Nats took in the third round is Holden Powell, reliever out of UCLA. He had 65 Ks and 17 saves in 40 games in 2019. Yeah, or 2018, sorry. He had an ERA of 1.84 and a batting average against a .121. He finished his career at UCLA with 2.26 ERA. He has a power fastball slider combo. He grades out as a solid back of the bullpen arm. And Nick, would you like to do a quick little intro on our buddy uh, Holden? Absolutely. So Ryan purposely went out of the order there because we want to talk about our buddy Holden. Uh, we're talking stopper of the year. This guy is a bonafide closer. Hold we him, labeled Holden. him. 
Holden Holden. Uh, we label, labeled him the Nats' closer of the Drunk. future. I mean, no pressure. Uh, happy to get to talk to him, get to know him a little bit. Um, so without further ado, Holden Powell. What's up, everybody? We are joined by a very special guest. He's a third-round pick by your World Series champion, Washington Nationals, number 94 overall, Holden Powell out of UCLA. How are you doing, my man? It's great to talk to you. I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me on. I really do appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. We're looking forward to bolstering uh, our bullpen because as Nats fans, I mean, I'm not sure how much you you followed the Nats prior to uh, you getting drafted, but we've certainly had our fair share of pain coming stemming from bullpen meltdowns. So adding a a top-tier back-of-the-bullpen guy like you is more than (laughs) a, a welcome change. So we're super excited to have you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really looking forward to uh, getting to D.C. eventually and uh, helping the team in whatever way I can. Yeah, and, and that's a perfect segue into, I mean, I guess what really is the the big question right now with all the, the COVID and social distancing and obviously no baseball being played right now. What was your experience like in the draft with scouting um, by, by other teams and your your draft experience? What What was that like? Um, it was it was pretty crazy. Um, initially, you know, I had a, a few teams reach out to me um, throughout the uh, um, draft process and all that. But, you know, as it got closer to it, um, a lot of that talk started to um, slow down a little bit. And the teams were starting to make their boards and um, kind of dive into who they were going to potentially pick. Um, but obviously, you know, draft day um, it was pretty hectic. Um, stressful a little bit just because you know you don't know where you're going to go who you're going to go to any of that stuff mm-hmm. um, especially with five rounds this year you don't even know if you're going to get picked necessarily um, nothing was guaranteed with a lot of what I saw um, with other picks and my friends on other teams and all that stuff it was just crazy overall um, but I was just obviously very blessed to get picked um, especially by such a great organization like the Nationals and just getting that opportunity in, in such a crazy time like right now um it, it shines a little light on the year for sure. Yeah, I, I'm sure. I mean, yeah, I didn't even mention the, the draft and all the changes that happened to it with, with only five rounds. I mean, we had people who got drafted saying, oh, I totally expected to, to go undrafted. So <laughs> a little bit yeah, crazy exactly, there. Right. Yeah, I mean, right. and as a GM of a very competitive fantasy football team, I know a lot about the pressures of draft night. So not to the extent <laughs> of, you know, that's your livelihood, but – I, I, I get that, but at <laughs> what point in the night did you find out you were going to be drafted by the Nats, and what was that call like? So I actually, um, I actually found out like right before, uh, around pick number, I think eighty nine, ninety, somewhere around there. So about three, four picks before, um, you know, they called me up and said, uh, "If you're still available uh, at pick ninety four, you know, we want to take you." Um, but obviously, they don't know my communications with other teams or whatnot. So I guess I could have got picked in between the the pick they called me at and when the Nationals were picking. But um, obviously I knew it was very likely that I was going to be getting picked by the Nationals at pick number 94. Um, so, you know, me and my family, we just kind of prepared for that and we were excited um, when I saw my name called on TV. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, not that uh, we put too much, uh, you know, 
stock into rankings or scouting reports or anything, but um, you you were ranked, uh, I can't remember who it had, but the, the pipeline, prospects, whatever, uh, you were ranked 134th out of the 200 prospects, so getting drafted at 94th, I mean, if you, you like I said, if you want to put stock in that, you're 40 spots ahead. So clearly the Nats saw something in you. Does that mean anything to you, uh, like with the Nats kind of going to get their guy, so to speak, or are you just happy to join a team and ready to get to work? Um, I mean, I'm definitely happy to get, get um, to a team and get ready to go to work, but, I mean, overall I think the rankings and all that stuff is kind of tricky. Um, right. Especially in times like this when there's not a lot of scouting going on. Um, exactly. Mm-hmm. Up until that point. So, I mean, the rankings are kind of a little – um, a little sketchy, I think, um, just in terms of short sample size for everyone. Uh, but, you know, they got to do their job and try and put out the best rankings they can. Um, but I think really, as a player, you just can't really focus on that stuff because, like you see in this example, I mean, you can get picked anywhere, no matter what ranking you are. Any of that. It doesn't, right. that stuff doesn't define where you actually get picked. So I think you just got to, you know, stay confident and can't really let that stuff, you know, affect you too much because, like you see, the Nationals, they'll believe in you or any organization might believe in one player, and that's all That's all it takes. You just need one team to trust you and mm-hmm. take their pick and go go with you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm sure once you actually get selected, you're ready to get to work, nothing, none of that else really, really matters. Yeah, but exactly. It's just curious because I remember when the, the NFL draft happened, I mean, everyone was so happy to just get some sort of live sporting event uh, on TV right. for the first time in forever, but they were saying how it was going to be way different from years past because obviously not every team was able to scout. And when those scouts get together on the same guys, they usually have kind of the same rankings, draft boards, but because of coronavirus and not being able to, to get together and, and come up with that, that unanimous or whatever draft board, that all these picks were all over the place. So I just wasn't sure if, I mean, I would assume the, the MLB draft was similar to that. So, I mean, crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Crazy for sure. So every time there's a draft pick taken, everyone gives the full rundown, the full scouting report on every single player. Um, I read a couple articles from Federal Baseball, the Baseball America, on all the draft picks. But how would you give your scouting report on yourself? Um, I think I'm basically just a competitive um, right-handed pitcher who um, – just does whatever they can to help the team win. Um, obviously, I love winning, um, and I just when I go out there, I'm just doing whatever I can, no matter if it's one inning, one batter, three innings, whatever. I mean, I'll just I'll just pitch as much as I need to um, to get the job done. Obviously, I think I enjoy getting the last three outs of the game more so than any other, but I'll love do it. whatever it takes, um, especially at the next level. You know, teams are looking for guys who can go back to back to back days and just pitch consecutively and uh, not have too much fall off with their stuff. And I think I can definitely do that, um, which is one of my biggest attributes, I think. But in terms of uh, my pitches, I think I throw – my main two pitches are my fastball slider combo and then um, fastball curveball to lefties. Um, Those are the kind of pitches that I like to attack the hitters with. Um, But, you know, as a closer, I think it's more so just – more so of a mindset um, deal. I think uh, you just really got to be competitive and just – like I said, you really just got to do whatever it takes to get those last three outs because that's all that really matters. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned a great point. I mean, it feels like you prepared 
for this interview with us because the chemistry is just flowing so well right now. Um, but with the going the multiple innings thing, I mean, we saw in years past, I mean, there was really a, a, a fight for relievers to get paid. Like, hey, even though I'm not the necessarily closer, uh, I still deserve like closer like money. I mean, Dellen Batantis is one who is fascinating to see his story arc because of how good he was in that seventh to eighth inning role, but he never really was a closer, needed to be the closer. Uh, but now we see kind of the evolution of the closer and people going six out saves, five out saves, whatever it may be. You've done that a, a couple of times, um, even this season before everything got shut down. Is that something you are comfortable doing, you like doing? Uh, are you looking forward to doing that at the next level? Or are you just strictly somewhat like uh, Craig Kimbrell, who's been on the other side saying, I'm the ninth inning, three outs, I'm, that's it? Yeah, no, I think I, um, I think I like doing that for sure. Um, I mean, me as a competitor, I just like to pitch as much as possible. So, you know, whatever the team feels like I need to do, um, if they're comfortable throwing me out there for five, six, however many outs, you know, I'll do it. Um, I think one thing is I've always been a starter pretty much my whole life going into college. So mm -hmm. I've always had the repetitions and durability to throw six, seven innings a game in high school and summer balls and stuff like that. So I think that's kind of helped me out to the point I, where I'm at now because I'm still comfortable um, throwing that amount of innings and the amount of outs if it's, if it's necessary, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, you look at the, the Nats in just the, the postseason run, like that situation came up so much. I mean, the wild card game, we got to Josh Hader because he came out in the eighth, and, I mean, everyone knows what happened there. And then on our side, we pitched Sean Doolittle, Daniel Hudson, almost every single game because that's really our only two options. So it's good right. to know that, I mean, th that is what today's game requires, but especially when you're in the postseason run, you, you have to be able to do that. So it's good to know that, I mean, you're comfortable doing it from the start. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, so you went over um... – your pitches, you kind of talked about lefties and righties, but what's your approach? Does it vary for when you're facing a left-handed batter and you're facing a righty? Are you going to pound more people's sliders in on the hands or backdoor or more fastballs, whether they are left-handed or right-handed? Yeah, I think it, the approach um, differs a little bit um, just because, you know, I'm, I'm kind of drastically different in terms of my fastball-slider combo compared to my fastball-curveball combo. They kind of play differently. Um, but, I mean, in terms of my fastball-slider combo, I'll obviously um, use those two pitches against righties um, to get them out. And I think really with the righties, I like attacking more so with that slider in any account, um, whether or not it's just a 0-0 slider or a put-out 0-2 slider lower and in the dirt. Um, but I think with lefties, I'm, I'm more so just attacking with the fastball. I'm developing a change to, you know, try and use that to my advantage as well at the next level. Um, but I think, yeah, the mindset and the, and the approach is a little bit different. But like I said, I mean, it really just comes down to doing whatever you can to get those last three out, um, no matter if it's just fastballs, curveballs, whatever. You just got to gotta get those last three outs and grind them out for sure. Yeah, then follow-up question to that. You talk about the last three outs. Ninth inning, biggest moment of the game. You got two strikes, two outs. You need to strike out. What pitch you throwing? I think I'm definitely going with the slider right now at this point in my career. Cool. That's probably the pitch I'm most Fuck comfortable him. with. Um, I mean, I think I think any count I uh, throw that pitch. Um, so I think it's game on the line. I definitely gotta gotta dial up the slider for sure. I mean, love really, a good slider. Whatever your approach is, is 
has been working and is working because, I mean, just for those who don't know, your stats before this college season got shut down due to coronavirus, 9.1 innings, 20 strikeouts and against two walks. So clearly something was right there. And I mean, if it ain't broke, right? If it ain't broke, don't, don't fix it. So yeah, exactly. Good, good stuff there. Um, I have to ask just because of all the coaches and like you hear about in baseball, college baseball, just wherever, I mean, coach Savage is probably one of the best names. I mean, uh, coaching repertoire and like resume and all that stuff aside. I mean, I, if your name is coach Savage, I just, I just want to play for you. Like, that, that's what it comes <laughs> yeah, down exactly. to. What was it like playing for someone with that kind of name, but also just that kind of history and a program like UCLA? Yeah. You know, I never really thought about the name too much. Um, <laughs> so I saw, I saw some different posts and stuff this year talking about, you know, how cool it was to have that name and how that kind of should bring in a, extra uh, recruiting aspect but you know, the name is definitely sweet but I mean obviously him as a coach he's great um I think the what we've done at UCLA in terms of our pitcher development and player development is like second to nobody in my opinion um being on the west coast um playing a little bit different style of baseball but mm -hmm. um you know we're just we obviously are very developed as pitchers um largely due to him and his recruiting efforts as well as all the knowledge and stuff he brings to the table when you get to school um mm -hmm. but obviously you know his his uh resume speaks for itself in terms of who he's developed and how he's developed them but obviously i'm just very grateful for the opportunity he provided me out of high school and then all of the work he's put in over the last three years to get me to the point where i'm at now yeah i mean some slightly big names uh trevor bauer ever heard of him uh garrett cole ever heard of him i mean <laughs> coach average ha has has dealt with them and then now the newest one holden powell i mean soon to be the next 300 million dollar pitcher so uh <laughs> good good on that one um but yeah it's just curious to, because like you said it is kind of a, a different style of baseball but just i mean everyone knows ucla whether it's baseball football or whatever so um, but it's also cool with kind of the baseball draft. I mean, this year being the exception due to, you know, a bunch of things. But you see the kids out of high school. You see the kids from lower, um, like, D2, D3 schools get, get drafted, which I've always liked because, I mean, you, you don't necessarily it, – it's the player. It's not necessarily the the program that produces them. But then you get to a program right. like UCLA, and, yeah, they can back up what the – the thought is or what the connotation is with the name of UCLA. They have the Garrett Coles and the Trevor Bowers. And I mean, that's just scratching the surface of the, the talent they've produced. So it, it's right. awesome to get to talk to someone who lived that and is living through or experienced that right now. So that's awesome. Exactly. Um, curious to hear just from a confidence standpoint, say baseball happens this year. You get the phone call. It's Mike Rizzo. He's telling you they need you up now. Could you get some big leaguers out right now with your fastball slider combo? I think I can. Absolutely. Love it. Um, Atta boy. Love it. <laughs> and, I mean, I'm not just – I am not just. Say, I mean, obviously you have to say that as a player just because you got to be confident in yourself. Right. It, but, I mean, I truly do feel like I can. Um, and, obviously, I mean, I would love to get that opportunity and be able to sh um, show, show that. But – you know, we'll see what happens over this next couple months. Yeah. 
And I mean, obviously there's been some news recently about just where the season stands and even less, or it's more murky with, with what a minor league season will or might not look like, whatever. Um, but one of the rule changes that's coming to baseball, it's not a matter of if, but when, is the universal DH. Are you, you're obviously drafted by the Nationals, they're an NL team currently, obviously no, no DH in the NL. Are you uh, a fan of the universal DH, or are you, like most pitchers are who pitch in the NL, are a fan of not having the DH because then you kind of get that quote-unquote extra out? Yeah, I mean, I've never really thought about that too much just because um, obviously in college you got the DH and all that. But, I mean, I got drafted to Nationals, like you said, to NL team. Um, I mean, I wouldn't mind. I definitely wouldn't mind hitting just because I've been a hitter my whole life. hitting in high school, all that stuff. So I definitely enjoy that, um, and I'd like to do that again. But I think the way the game's trending, I think more people probably want to see the universal DH. Um, but, I mean, in my personal opinion, I, I, think, I think I'd be fine hitting, and I think I would like to do that. But it's not going to make or break any either way. I mean, I'll be fine if I don't have to hit. <laughs> yeah, then again, I'm having, to face, I'm having to face pitchers who are um, – Throwing uh, pretty damn hard, so right. I'm not too sure <laughs> so, if that's uh, yeah. what I really want to do. <laughs> you I understand. I don't want it either. Uh, but you know, we have a we have a third co-host, Amanda, and she is the biggest baseball purist you will meet. Um, Ryan and myself were huge proponents of the Universal DH. I mean, we just look at the most recent playoff run to go back to just a few months ago. I mean, Howie Kendrick hits that home run to go ahead in game seven he was the dh if there's no dh right. then he's probably not even in the lineup because he was that much of a liability in the field but he comes up with the biggest moment not only in 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 that game but in franchise history especially so i'm always going to be a proponent of the universal dh but i will give credit where credit's to things like seeing mariano rivera come up with the bases loaded when i was younger that was awesome seeing obviously bartolo Colon hit a home run that was awesome, but yeah. those moments are just so few and far between that it's like, I mean, yeah, I, I'd exactly. rather go and win a World Series than see right. a pitcher either not try or try to bunt, like, you know, 10,000 yeah. times a year. But that's just me. Exactly. <laughs> um, just switching up just a little bit, who was your favorite pitcher to watch growing up in major leagues, and what batter do you want to face the most who's currently in the league? Um. I think uh, my favorite pitcher watching growing up was probably um, – I know I really liked Sonny Gray over the last five, six, seven years. Ooh, interesting. Um, and his development and seeing him kind of rise to the top. Um, I kind of like how he pitches, and he's kind of a similar style to me in terms of size. And I used to obviously be a starter, and now he's a starter as well. But um, mm-hmm. I still think some of our pitches are very comparable. Um, but – yeah, I think uh, Sonny Gray is probably my favorite pitcher to watch um, as well. as I, I mean, I always like watching old tapes of Randy Johnson uh, back in the day. Um, those are some pretty exciting tapes, and you can never get old watching that stuff. That but poor bird. in terms of hitters that I'd like <laughs> to face, um, I mean, I'd like to face Mike Trout, really. Um, oh, the best. The great answer. I mean, I want That's to face right you know? there. Yeah. I think I think uh, if you want to be the best, you gotta you gotta face the best. So I think uh, I'd like to face Mike Trout and just see uh, see what happens. 
that that's going to be our like love it. you know you know how uh media will commonly take like out of context quotes just for the headlines that's going to be ours it's holden powell wants to face mike trout so that way we get all the clicks <laughs> on our podcast uh, um, but wait. yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> and then also have to ask because i have to know the most important question you're ever going to get from anyone does in and out live up to the hype Oh, uh, that's, that's a no. Um, that's a no. Yeah, I, I don't he know. Hesitated. Not, <laughs> I'm not really. Um, I'm not really a big fan of In-N-Out. Um, I think there actually are better burger spots in in West Coast um, than In-N-Out. Yeah. Um, I think uh, personally, I like Five Guys better. Um, oh, great answer! I like, five, <laughs> I like Five Guys and uh, I like Five Guys and Shake Shack better than In and Out. But uh, well, you're I mean, in luck. It's definitely, uh, <laughs> it's definitely it's definitely cost efficient, I think, and it's um, it's not bad, that's for sure. But there are definitely better spots. Wow, I mean that really settles the bait. I mean, you have a California kid saying that <laughs> Five Guys and Shake Shack's better than In and Out. I mean, if that doesn't settle the debate, I don't know what does. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, well, my last question. So a name like Holden, you being a closer, have you heard any great like slogans or nicknames for you? I feel like with the name Holden and you being like a uh, closer of the future, I don't want to put too much pressure on you, but I'm calling you the closer of the future. Just deal with it. Um, is there like a, a good slogan or nickname that we can come up with? I feel like there's something there. Well, yeah, actually what they used to call a lot of the fans at UCLA used to always say, uh, Hold them, Holden. That's what their. Uh, that's what their hold thing them, Holden. Right? I like that. I <laughs> yeah. like that. We that's we can make that go with. So, yeah, that's what their. Uh, that's what their go-to was, and so we kind of just ran with that one. But, um, yeah, obviously, I haven't really heard too many other ones than that. But I think that was mainly the uh, the biggest one for sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if fans or like Ryan and myself are going to be allowed at games when Spaceball returns, but we'll be outside the park just screaming, "Hold him, hold him!" <laughs> we'll have a sign. Yeah, exactly. We're the guys who interviewed you on that podcast yeah, one time. One time. <laughs> 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 exactly. Oh, oh, but that's all we got. Holden, I really appreciate it. Uh, why don't you plug your Twitter for all those? Uh, all of our listeners so that way they can give you a, a follow on Twitter. The Twitter is um, get Holden G E T H O L D E N get Holden. Yep. Go follow this man. Great interview. We appreciate the time. Third round pick soon to be closer of the future for your world series, Washington nationals. Holden pal. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. We'll have to do it again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, I really appreciate the opportunity to get on the podcast for sure. Hey, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks Holden. Thank you. Take care. All right. Big thanks to Holden Powell. I mean, great interview. Uh, love just, uh, I mean, just talking to him. I mean, we talked about In-N-Out Burger, which, I mean, that kind of settles that debate for any of you West Coast people or listeners. I mean, Amanda, I know you didn't like that, but Holden, <laughs> what Holden says goes. I'm a fan. So, I mean... That says that, but go follow my man at Get Holden on Twitter. Uh, hope to talk to him soon. Wish him the best of luck. But uh, I mean, I opened the the interview with <laughs> by saying like the Nats have had plenty of pain derived from bullpen meltdowns. So getting a guy like Holden to hopefully solidify our bullpen for 
the foreseeable future is, is, is a nice move. But it seems like the Nats really loaded up on pitching in general in the draft, which never a bad thing. Yeah. yeah. Pitchers are, like, they're the offensive linemen of picks. Like, when you get one, it's kind of like, oh, man, another offensive lineman. Like, it's such a boring pick, but also you can't be so good. Much. Yeah, yeah, you can't be good without them. So, like, it's right. like, ah, it's boring. But at the same time, they're probably the reason why you're going to win the World Series in, like, eight to nine years. So you can right, never go wrong. When you think about pitching. the number of guys who don't make it to the show after getting right. drafted, then like you got to load up on pitching. Also, and there is nothing—I mean, nothing—more valuable in a trade than a young pitcher. So um, yeah. guys come and go in farm systems all the time. So Nats restock that, um, which is always great. And, and I want to advise all of our listeners to find you someone who loves you the way Mike Rizzo loves an off-injured, tall, right <laughs> Oh, my God, I know. <laughs> First-round potential injuries, let's take them. Let's do That's it. What I, our, hey, it works out sometimes, Anthony Rizzo. Our anyway. inability to develop pitchers, but, hey, he's going to look great in another uniform pitching against us when we inevitably right, trade exactly. him for someone that Lucas does nothing Giolito, for anyone? <laughs> I know Rendon's not a uh, not a pitcher, but he was one of those injury guys. That yeah, that one down. rarely fell. An absolutely loaded class. He was projected fourth overall, and he went sixth. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> no, no, but well, I mean, that was great Amanda interview, does, guys. Yeah. That's awesome. Amanda does have a, a point. No, where, I, no, I know. Well, no, I just mean, like, with, with the pitchers in general, like, well, I guess it, it was kind of both of your points. Like, it's not always a sexy pick. But, like, with pitchers, it's easier to develop pitchers. Like, if you're, like, a C-grade guy, it's easier to turn them into uh, a B, B-plus grade guy than it is to turn, like, a C-grade hitter into anything more. Because, like, if you can hit at that level, whether it be high school, college, or whatever, you can work with that. But if you can't hit at that level, like, what are you really going to do, you know? But pitchers, you can always develop, add another pitch, tweak some stuff. Uh, so that's why yeah, you true. See... they're like more malleable than right than right other so... players and, and and like you said they're really valuable in trades i mean you get a mm-hmm. get a guy like adam eaton for a good prospect you know <laughs> 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 oh i'm just throwing blood in the water oh, good. you guys are welcome i always said to you i did not expect that <laughs> Plus two diamonds for Amanda's. Uh, I was sitting here waiting to say it. I'm like, oh, this is going to be funny. I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, before we get to our Twitter questions, you guys got anything else you want to chat about? Um, I think one person in the draft, just I like drafts. Um, I I didn't know who any of these people were before the draft, to be completely honest with you guys. but the guy, I just erased my notes, so I forgot his name. But the shortstop the Nats drafted. Um, the Nats, that Samuel Infante? Yes. I knew it was Samuel. The Nats have a pretty good history of developing hitters. Um, right now, his strength is hitting. Um, and I was watching MLB Network, and they said if the Nats can develop his hitting, he could be a pretty big staple down the road. He's 18, came out of high school, so he is a little ways away. But I think he'll be someone who's fun to watch in the minor leagues and watch how his bat develops in the next couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, with any draft, not just uh, baseball, but, like, draft picks bust, and you always have those draft picks that come out of nowhere. Like, regardless of all the scouting, all the mock drafts, all the predictions, like, right. you just 
there's like, no nobody formula. thought Tom Brady was going to be Tom Brady when he right. There's no him. formula to predict success, right? So that's kind of something we talked about with Holden. Like he was ranked, uh, I think, going into this season as far as a, a prospect or a pipeline, whatever. He was ranked 134th, but he got drafted 94th. And I kind of his numbers are stupid. It, his numbers are insane. But like we kind of asked him about that, and he. I mean, he had a professional answer. He's a pro already, just saying, like, no, that, I mean, it means a lot just to get drafted. He's ready to get to work and whatnot. But with all these guys, like Juan Soto, I mean, he was the international signing. He wasn't, but you look at someone like Shohei Otani, a little bit of a different situation, yes, but everyone was after Shohei Otani, but no one's after Juan Soto, who's arguably the, the best young player in the game, right? So it's just, like, you, you can never tell with these things. So it's... It's cool getting into invested in the draft and seeing what the the scouting report is on these guys and where they might potentially. Yeah, and it'll be fun in the years to come when you watch those guys develop and move up the system and make their debuts and stuff like that. It's going to be cool. right. Especially was, talking talking to a guy like Holden, who I mean, should his stuff pan out? I mean, he is. A, there was a, a article I think it's from Fed Baseball or whatever. I was he, he's going to bring that up. Yeah, he was on a fast track to make it to the majors. So. I mean, talking to a guy like him and hopefully continue to talk to like talk to him about his, his experience and his journey throughout the minor leagues. That's that's some good stuff right there. But Ryan, go ahead. No, I was I was just going to bring that up. Like, especially since he's a reliever, um, if his stuff is playing nasty in the minors, he will move up quickly. Um, and just like I was going to bring up that argument that he is a prime candidate to be on the fast track to come up. And we heard that about a couple of draft picks from the Nats before, but. They had some injury issues, and they also had a lot of character issues, and they're violating team rules, and we just haven't heard from that draft pick ever again. So um, I'm a huge, huge stan. Um, I'm going to dedicate my Twitter to him, but he follows me, so I don't want him to think it's weird. So I'm not going to do that, <laughs> but I'm just going to say I'm going to. But... I mean, it is weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're best friends with him on the podcast already, yeah. so I, I can't wait. Can't wait. I already wow. told him I'm going to be at his MLB debut with a sign reminding him that we're those <laughs> we people the, who are going to be them. Yeah. I got to say, y'all, you two are pretty capricious with the best friend of the podcast label. You guys, like whoever our most recent interview was. It's just we love everyone. Yeah. It's we true. love them all. You guys are very loving people. That's all yeah. it is. We're not Luddites. We're, we're okay with change and accepting new friends <laughs> into our lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You like that, right? That was good. I did there. That was good. I did there. I used the word against her. <laughs> yes, it's a good word. It's a good word. All right. So, Twitter questions. Twitter, Twitter questions. All right. Uh, first one is from our pal at National Post. Uh, longtime listener, expert, question asker. Since there's no baseball and the apocalypse is near, if you had to draft a starting lineup using only U.S. presidents. What would what, your lineup look like? I should have read this ahead of time. Well, Include I mean, a pitcher and a closer. It's I mean, pretty. It's pretty obvious that FDR would be the catcher, so we can all agree on that. Um, just oh, for, is that just a for the obvious joke? reason? It is. That was, I think, a wheelchair joke. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, George Washington's got to be the closer, right? I mean, dude knows how to close. Or would it be? Or, or that be? Or that be Abe? Mm. Okay. Well. Maybe it's easier to do the starter first. I uh, know. Wouldn't the starter be go FDR? With, because he went the longest. Who was tall? Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, FDR that's right. Might be the yeah, he, he had the three he turns, the right? in the game. Yeah. 
It might be FDR. I might go with uh, Silent Cal, Calvin Coolidge, though. I like the, um, you know, he's very, like Max is very, uh, he doesn't talk to anybody on game days. He's all business. I feel like Calvin Coolidge but, would be my starting I mean, pitcher. You want the, the big name starter. Not, no disrespect <laughs> to Mr. Coolidge, but, I mean, you want the big name. <laughs> I, I feel, I, I'm, I'm leaning FDR as my starter because of the longevity thing. I like him going deep in games. I don't want him out after like a year, like who was that William Henry Harrison who died of pneumonia like the day after I was just going to say that. Would he be the closer, like in and out, did his job and got right out of there? I don't know. <laughs> did he really do his job, though? <laughs> I mean, I, if like, his job was to become president, then yes. <laughs> uh, that's a fair <laughs> argument, actually. <laughs> um, a Lincoln. Linker. <laughs> got to be, got to be the first baseman. You know, I like a, yeah. I like a tall guy, like a Todd Helton over there. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like there's something to be said about Thomas Jefferson. I mean, the Louisiana Purchase. I mean, there's, there's something there coming, maybe coming in the clutch. Maybe just like um, a, a three, four. I'm gonna hole. put, I'm gonna put uh, Jefferson in center field because he can, you know, cover a lot of ground. That's a Louisiana. There Purchase. It is. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you got to get HW out there, or both Ws. They uh, love baseball, so I'm gonna put HW at short, true. and um, now watch this drive, uh, second base. Yeah. So you get <laughs> who was at the hot corner though? Chemistry at the middle. hot corner. Um, Thomas Jefferson. No, no hot no, corner. He's in center field. Hot he's corner field. emphasis on the hot. It's JFK, handsome man. Mm. Yeah. I see what you did there. Yeah. Well, there was a couple other ways I could have gone with that, but that was that was fine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but this is a family podcast. So. Okay. All right. So we need corner outfielders and a catcher. Uh, okay. Who's the, who's the fattest president? I mean Taft. 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 Remember he he's got stuck catcher. in a bathtub. Oh, the yeah. big boy back there who just catches everything. Yeah. I mean, he's stopping. He's stopping. He's stopping wild pitches without even moving. I think right. that guy. Teddy sure. sure. Roosevelt isn't as big, but I mean, he's a, part of the Rough Riders. Um, that's. And then he established awful. the national park system. I feel like he should. He should be on the team. Yeah. So I mean, maybe we can just plug him into left field. I mean, there's he could no be like notable. a bench bat or something. I don't know. He, he's on there in some in some capacity. I mean, who would miss? Filling out the bottom part of the roster. <laughs> right. Yeah. We're we're just we're plugging and playing here. We had a pretty good lineup, though. I was sure how this, question, how this question was going to play out, but we we made it work. It I think we did. Good. I think we made it work. I'm pretty impressed by our uh, our just knowledge off the cuff of presidential trivia. Oh, you know who you know who we didn't mention though. We you got to have have the one bat in the lineup that just drops bombs. So let's go to. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> wow, that was well done. That Thank was you. Well done. Thank hey, you. you need someone to clean it up. <laughs> wow. Yep. yep. I feel pretty good now. Okay. I feel like on that note, I'm going to let that question go. Yep. <laughs> I think we've done all we can do here. <laughs> okay. Of the five of you, is that is this supposed to be of the three of you? No, well, I mean, if you put Monty and uh, OPT. Okay, all right. Who would be the most fun and the worst to be quarantined um, with? Well, worst, easily Monty. We can all agree on that one. See, I was yeah, thinking about that. Like... <laughs> or is that just like... too easy? So, here we go. Actually, actually. No, go ahead, go ahead, go. 
So I don't think Monty would be the worst because one, we don't hear from him for days at a time. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so yeah, it's just you would get plenty of way. quiet time. Right. Plenty of quiet time. And when he is awake, he just drinks and reads and does Twitter according to That's a man. True. And tweets. That's true. So I, I said that. Um, so he really just keeps to himself. So he wouldn't be the worst. He might not be the best. He might not like keep you entertained or anything like that. But he, I don't he think he'd be the worst. Lot, though, and he's pretty so funny wanna, when he's drunk. I want to change my answer because the worst is very, very obvious, and it's Amanda. It is Amanda. <laughs> Amanda has like thirty kids, and being yeah, that's exactly why. Awful. <laughs> yeah, I was actually going to vote for myself as the worst as well because I have a lot of damn kids, and unless you like, unless you want five children also quarantined with you, then I'm not a good pick. My neighbor has six kids, and she's so ready, like, just to get them out of the house. She goes on, like, oh, six yeah. walks a day by herself, and she's like, uh-huh, I'm ready for school. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, when I was a kid, there were four of us, and my my mom used to go to the grocery store. She'd be like, I'm going to the grocery store, and she'd be gone for, like, four hours. And we'd be like, what in the hell is she doing? Now that I have a bunch of kids, I'm like, I could go to the grocery store for four hours by myself. I could go I could to the grocery it. store I anytime I want. <laughs> right. I, can, I would I, – if I got to go to the grocery store alone, I could see myself spending four hours there. It makes perfect okay, but, sense to me now. But who would be the best? Um, Nick, because I love him. Aww. I mean. Shucks, I, I can't. That. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nick, who's your pick? Um, you have to say Ryan now. You're no. Nah, totally it'd, it'd, it'd be funnier if you said someone else. <laughs> I mean, probably OPT, just because. I mean, dude, dude just drops bangers on Twitter, so there's got to be like some low key entertainment there. He just asks great audience. questions. Like, you'll yeah. be sitting down eating breakfast and be like, which of these three jerseys is the best? Which one is right. the worst? And he's like, what team would you root for if your team ceased to exist? And I'm like, what team would I root for? I need to plan out and <laughs> yeah, do a deep dive analysis of, every, of all 29 other teams just in case the Nationals, like, stop being a team tomorrow. <laughs> like, I need to, to, to make sure I have my contingency plans in place. And I feel like he, he would keep me entertained and, and not, like, insane. I could see that. Well, I'm going through the list here, and I couldn't, I couldn't pick you, Nick, because I, I couldn't watch that much 90 Day Fiance. I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd rather. Yeah, you're lot, like, I don't know. I'd rather sci-fi like sci-fi movies. <laughs> yeah, way better. Yeah, I am not a, I am not a reality TV person, and that 90 Day Fiance is just looks so atrocious. I'm surprised I mean, you own like, a TV, considering how you live your life. So. <laughs> yeah, well, I do own a TV, and I watch it too much. <laughs> um, so I'm going with I, – I like the OPT pick because it's true. All of the thought-provoking baseball questions would be entertaining. I don't really – I don't really life know him Ryan. well enough in real life to know like what he oh, would be God, like to hang out Ryan with. Ryan and Monty. <laughs> Ryan, are you gonna lose yeah, Monty? Yeah, we're down to so. we're down to Ryan and Monty. So <laughs> I, you know, like you said, you made a good point about Monty. He's pretty much to himself, and when he's drinking, he's pretty damn funny. But um, yeah, Ryan plays. Uh, Ryan, I can't go with you. You play too many video games. I think I, I wouldn't be able to watch my sci-fi movie. <laughs> So you you're on PS4. You're saying, I'm gonna I mean, have to go with Monty. My own TV. First time Monty's ever won anything in his life. Yay, Monty! Yeah, so congrats to Monty. <laughs> I mean, after right. weeks and weeks of backhanded, not even compliments, just backhands, you finally give him a break. I didn't think that was an insult. Saying that he drinks and tweets and and reads books is not an insult. I don't. 
No, but it, it's not. But you basically like lessened him to <laughs> like that's all he does. <laughs> well, I you part. know it doesn't see it doesn't sound like a bad life. <laughs> Can't argue that. All right. What do we have next? What is the weirdest <clears throat> food concoction you've ever made or eaten? Uh, a McGangbang. That's a good one. Um, what? It's, so, from McDonald's, <laughs> you get a McDouble and a McChicken. You take off the bottom bun of the McDouble and the top bun of the McChicken. I might have that backwards. And then you combine them into a sandwich, otherwise known as a McGangbang. McGangbang. Oh. All right. Yeah. Kind of like when you go to okay. McDonald's and you have to do a suicide drink and you do a little bit of each of the, the fountains. Yeah. Options. It's like, I yeah. do know that one. The other, the, yeah. The that bang, one's not new on me. Yeah. McGangbang is like the food option for that. Like ever made or eaten. I'm trying to think. I have one or two I immediately, I, oh yeah, go ahead. So, I mean, it, t- it turned out, uh, I'll just have to preface by saying it turned out pretty good. If I'm being honest, but it's going to sound really appalling on paper. Okay. So this was my college days and a little little bit tipsy, but came back. I was just starving. Right. And I mean, I was a broke college kid. So and like Uber Eats and stuff like that wasn't an option back then. I'm talking about like I was in college when like Amanda was in college, but this was like a couple of years ago. (laughs) Three three years ago. I know. but like, well, it was my freshman year. So I, I get back and I have hot dogs, eggs, and, and bread. So I'm like, all right, well, I, I first started making eggs, but I was like, this is taking too long. So I nuked some hot dogs, but I was already making the eggs. So I was like, what can I do? So I folded up the egg, cut the hot dog in half, put it on some toast, and added some jelly to it, some grape jelly. And oh, man, was that good. Probably because yeah, I was doesn't in, sound that terrible to me. I, exactly, you were drunk. Probably because I was inebriated, but man, that hit the spot like no spot has ever been hit. So like, yeah. that was that was great. Yeah. Well, my college days were not as far back as you think because I joined the army after high school. I didn't go to college until way later, but I didn't also go away to college at that point. I did it online. But um, I think the weirdest thing I've ever made when I was. When I was stationed in Korea, we I, I used to go to the mess hall all the time, and they would always have kimchi in the mess hall. And I know a lot of people love kimchi. The smell of it is vile. I cannot eat even in its presence. Like, the smell of it is so off-putting that, like, I couldn't even eat in the mess hall because it always smelled like kimchi when I went in there. So I used to cook in my room a lot, and you're not allowed to have any sort of cooking device in your room. But I had smuggled – my mother sent me – in the mail, like a, one of those little electric coil hot plates. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. So I had this little hot plate smuggled into my barracks room. And I would go to, we had, the post where I was stationed didn't have like a proper PX grocery store kind of thing, but we had like this little um, kind of mini PX where we could go and get a little bit of stuff. So I would always go down there and try to like get whatever I could get so I could cook myself something to eat in my room. And I once made the most bastardized version of, like, spaghetti and meatballs you ever had with what I think was ground beef, but the writing was in Hangul, so I'm <laughs> so not really sure what it was. But I, and, and the tomato sauce wasn't actually tomatoes, I don't think. So it was just, like, the weirdest. I'm still not even sure exactly what it was. But it did not, at the end, taste anything like spaghetti and meatballs, but it kind of looked like spaghetti and meatballs. <laughs> yeah, it was – so, yeah, weirdest food concoction ever made, 
that would definitely be the one. I'll never forget one time, just quick story, like, I was like eight years old, and my dad supposedly made burgers, and I mean, I've had burgers a bunch of times in my life, I had a bunch since and before and whatnot, but I wanted a burger. Bite into the burger, it was the most disgusting burger. It wasn't like because of the way it was cooked or anything, but it was the most disgusting burger, and I like didn't eat it, and I like got in trouble because I didn't finish my dinner. Lo and behold, it wasn't a burger, it was venison. Like, I'm not eating no. venison as an eight-year-old. I mean, technically still a burger, just not beef. Yeah, I didn't ask for specifics. I didn't know I needed to at the time, but holy hell. Yeah. My brother hunts, so we get venison from him a lot. And I haven't tried it since, I feel like, so it actually might oh, be good. Yeah. But like, venison jerky is really good. Right. But and it, I, should, it, I should also, yeah, it's we, just a you, matter, can, you can cook it poorly and it tastes terrible. Right. It's just a matter of like biting into something and it not right. being what you expect. Like we've <laughs> all had that. Expectations game. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've all had that at one point in our lives. And now it's just one of those moments. Like I've tasted a burger. Burger's good. I love burgers. And then I bite into it. I'm like, what in the hell? So. Yeah. I often wonder what I would have thought of that now, whatever that dish is that I made when I was there. Cause I was, you know, 18 and didn't have a very sophisticated palate at that point in my life. I had like never traveled anywhere before I, I was in Korea and now I love all sorts of Asian and Korean food and all kinds of crazy stuff that I wouldn't have touched with a 10-foot pole when I was 18 but I don't know I, I feel like the same thing that the expectations of seeing something that looks like spaghetti and meatballs and then tasting something that was not spaghetti and meatballs. Yeah that's one thing you it's pretty straightforward like there's not many deviations from it so yeah, yeah like you see it and you expect to get what you're expecting to get right yeah, so yeah. I wouldn't have tried it. All right, I've got one more for us tonight, which is what was your favorite song your senior year of high school, or even if not your favorite, like the most iconic one, the one that you think of when you think back? I think right so, after, uh, I want to see what you say before I pick. So I'm just you guys thinking same like, graduation year? Yep, yeah. same high school, same graduation year. What year? 2013. Jesus, God in heaven. <laughs> okay. I'm Brian, all right now. You can continue. <laughs> right. What were you going to say? Um, so, like, most iconic is probably, like, Get Lucky, Blurred Lines, and, like, Started From The Bottom. Like, those songs. Because, like, Drake dropped an album that year. But I feel like for best favorite song, I'd love me some... Counting Stars by One Republic, so I feel like I gotta go with that one. I can tell you two songs that, because uh, Ryan and I played baseball together, so I have fond memories uh, of those times. But it, they, the songs didn't even come out in our in our senior year. Like, let me tell you, but they were just all time classics, still all time classics. We'll belt them anytime we're in the car together. But uh, it's I Want It That Way by the Backstreet Boys. Tell me and, why. And uh, also, Good one. Uh, And I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. Uh, those ones are still mm -hmm. Those are both good but, ones. Yeah. I mean, we had some time, let me tell you. I believe you. Yeah, see, I was, yeah, I'm older than you, so I wasn't so much of a Backstreet Boys age. I was more <laughs> like a New Kids on the Block kind of age for the boy bands, so... Um, when I was in high school, there were 95 is when I graduated. There were a lot of good songs that year. One of my favorites, Waterfalls by TLC. Very good. That was um, the number one song when I was born. Wait, you said, yeah, I was going to say, you said 95? Yeah. 95. No, that was actually the hey. number one song in the world, country, whatever, when I was born. 
Hey, that's what oh, I yeah? was born nice. in Waterfall. And then, uh, yeah, it's a good song. And then the other one was Gangsta's Paradise came out that year. So oh, that I mean, big. you're talking great song. Classic great song. I know. But the song. one that I think of all the time is, and it's got a perfect uh, baseball match tie-in here, is This Is How We Do It. By Montel Jordan, which came out that year, and I remember going to Beach Week in Ocean City and us just like cranking that song and listening to it like the whole way back and forth to Ocean City. So I don't. So that's my. That's got to be my pick. It didn't come out my senior year of high school, but you know, like senior year of high school, freshman year, the same year, um, and like all my school played nonstop was House Party by Meek Mill. So like. I kind of associate that song with that, even though it came out a couple years before. So that's probably in my consideration as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I, that's, that wasn't my favorite, but it's the one that, like, when I think back to that year, that's the one that right. popped in my head first. I mean, music didn't exist, exist before <laughs> Betty Wap dropped the Trap Queen. So, uh, I mean, that's really what it comes excellent down to. Excellent point. Yeah. <laughs> nah, it didn't exist a little bit. Drop tips the girls. <laughs> wow. You followed me on Twitter. <laughs> Great song. All right. All right. I think that is it. We got anything else? Uh, no, that's it. Nope. I think we're good. All right. So then, um, I guess. Just trying to see if there's anything else. I thought I had made myself a note for something else I wanted to talk about, but I have now forgotten. So it will have to be for the next episode. Well, oh, thank no. you all for listening. This was a rather um, rambling and random episode <laughs> where we talked as much about not baseball things as we did about baseball. But um, if you guys enjoyed it, then please give us a follow at our Twitter handles, which are awhite7877 at Half Street High Heat for the show, at Half Shack Cat for Nick, and at DC Nat Shack for Ryan. And also, um, please do leave us reviews if you're into that, wherever you get your podcast. <laughs> and we will talk again in two weeks. Yes, sir. And thanks again to Holden Powell. Yeah, love, love all y'all. Holden Powell. Holden Powell, best friend. Best friend. Best friend. New best friend. <laughs> all right, good night, guys. This is the best friend. This is my best friend. Later. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator Who has the calls has passed the wall to see you Dawn, well, you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in everybody
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.